Well, it's, it's good to see you all to here today. Glad you made it. Glad that you're dry right now. Um, I know during, at the end of the service, I, I want to pray for it because I know we have people in our own congregation that are dealing with water again this morning. Uh, some of us are wondering when it's going to stop. I actually saw on Amazon that you can actually order an ARC kit. <laughs> yeah, that's funny until you get water in your basement and then all of a sudden that's not as funny, is it? Um, we're finishing up a series called Cross-Bearing, and Danny's been walking us through uh, this concept of bearing our cross. I have the opportunity to, to finish that out today, as Danny and his family are hopefully at the lake this weekend. Yeah, ask him how that goes when he gets back. So we're talking about this concept of cross-bearing, and, and I brought this out. Danny had been talking about how at times we, we like to hide our cross and pull it out and then put it back in, and I want to put this front and center today as we finish this out. And as we walk through where we've been with cross-bearing, the first thing is this, and I love this one, that Danny's talked about this over and over again. We die to self-determination, to running our lives and surrender using Jesus for our agenda. Now, I real quickly have to tell you, I had a challenge with that at first because I was reading the first two pieces really well, and I, this whole surrender using Jesus for our agenda, I was thinking, well, I surrender to use Jesus for my agenda. That's not what that says. Go back and look. Cross-bearing means we die to our self-determination. It's not about us. To running our lives, in other words, we're not in control, and we surrender the opportunity of having, using Jesus for our agenda, but letting Jesus become our agenda. So think of it that way as you get into this. Cross-bearing is not about us. And that's the other thing that I think sometimes we twist with. Cross-bearing means Brad's going to carry his cross and look at me. I'm having such a trouble now, but I'm bearing my cross and look how good I am. It's, it, it's focusing on me when cross-bearing is not about my cross it's the cross I take up for Christ. And there's a difference between those two. The focus is very different between those two. Taking up the cross that Jesus died on, sacrificing ourselves, our self-desires to follow him, to follow Jesus Christ. And then not just that, but living our lives in awareness of not only who Jesus is, and what he's done for us, but what he wants to do through us. Again, we can carry this cross, and it looks really good, but it's not about us. It's about what God wants to do, what Jesus wants to do through us that is so important in the concept of cross-bearing. Now, over the last several weeks, we, in a rewind, we went through some, some different parts of this cross-bearing, and the first one was that... Jesus asked his disciples in Mark 8, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? The other one that we talked about the next week, or Danny did about, was counting the cross. What does it take to pick up the cross, to carry the cross of Christ? Diedrich Bonhoeffer, Danny brought this one up too, and, and I thought it was, it's a quote that, again, kind of really helps ground us in this concept of cross-bearing, and he said it this way, only when we have become completely oblivious to self, are we ready to bear the cross for his sake? Only when I am ready to stop thinking about Brad, when I stop worrying about Brad, when I stop making everything about Brad, 
and make it about Christ, can I really begin to carry the cross? Well, then we went on to talk about acknowledging, taking up the cross means acknowledging Jesus publicly and identifying him. Then we talked about the fact that bearing the cross means that Jesus is always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. If you are walking with him, you can have confidence that he is always there no matter what is going on in your life. Yeah, definitely. And then last week, Danny talked about Jesus' call to follow him. And I love this whole progression that Danny mentioned, and that was know Jesus love Jesus, model Jesus, and pursue his calling. So with that as a backdrop, I want to finish this whole concept of cross-bearing with a concept of all-in, being all-in. And in doing that, we're going to look at a great passage from 1 John chapter 1. So if you want to go to your Bibles and turn to, to 1 John chapter 1, we're going to start there and dive into what it means to be all in, in 100%, 120, however you want to say it, all in. Now, the book of 1 John is a very important book to me. I have a very special, it, it just has a special meaning for me. Um, the, first, the book of 1 John was the first book of the Bible that I really read as I began as a young kid reading God's Word. I was a seventh grader in our youth group. I had in sixth grade in our Sunday school class had accepted Christ and, and prayed the prayer and, and all the, that process. And it was, I was in seventh grade youth group one Wednesday night, and our youth pastor, Ken Adrian, asked if there was anybody that had questions about accepting Christ or what that meant to raise their hand during the ending prayer. And for some reason, my hand went up. And so later that week, he called me up and he said, hey, Brad, can we get together and kind of talk about it? And I said, sure. And so we sit down and he says, I don't get it, Brad. What, what's going on? I know that you'd accepted Christ. I know that you've made that, that decision. You, you began that journey. Why did you raise your hand? And I said, well, honestly, I, because I'm not sure because when I prayed that prayer in a Sunday school class, there were no, this was no aha moment. There were no angels singing. There was no immediate, you know, lights flashing. There was no fireworks. I just did it, and I knew I did it, and it was good. And he laughed at me, and he said, well, Brad, not everybody has that kind of experience. I said, okay. He says, well, you're reading God's Word. And I said, well, I got my Bible. I read it. But <laughs> if you start in Genesis and think you're going really well in Genesis— and maybe Exodus, and then you get to Leviticus and Numbers, and I mean, and, and you know. And I said, I no, I don't. And he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start with First John. Start there and kind of work your way. I said, okay, I could do that. So to me, First John at time, for me is the essence of what does it mean to be a Christian. And to me, today, I'm going to say the essence of what it means to be all in as we read this part of the passage. So if you're a Christian, a new Christian, a seasoned Christian, and reading God's Word sometimes is a challenge, I'm going to ask you to start at 1 John and read what John wrote about what it means to be a Christian and a child of Christ, and then work it from there. Uh, don't start at Genesis. Start somewhere where you can begin a foundation. So... We're now at 1 John. We're going to read 
read verses 1 through 10, but we're going to read them in, in little chunks here. So we're going to read kind of the first four verses together. So grab your Bibles and, and let's dive into this. 1 John chapter 1, start with verse 1. That which, was formed, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John, in this epistle, is testifying to who Jesus Christ is. Now, why was he having to go to such detail in testifying what was going on? Well, back then, the problem was is that people were beginning to separate the person that was Jesus that did some miraculous things and da-da-da-da-da, and, and Jesus, God's son, they were trying to separate those. And John said, no, 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 you don't understand. I was one of the twelve. I heard him. I saw him with my own eyes. I looked upon him. I watched him do miraculous things. I got to experience him feed 5,000 plus. I got to watch him as somebody touched his robe become healed. I watched him heal people. I watched him rebuke demons. I was there firsthand and I saw Jesus Christ, God's son, on this earth living, breathing, and doing his will. And I also touched his hands. I had relationship with him. Relationship so close that we put our arms around each other. We walked together. We did ministry together. I saw him. That is the testimony. And why is this testimony so important that John's writing about? It's so important because it makes Jesus real. Jesus is no longer a myth. Jesus is no longer a story. As we read about Jesus here, and we can read about all those great things, but Brad, they happened 2,000 years ago. How do we know they're real? We have a disciple who says, I was there. I experienced him. I know what he was like. I was all there. And if Jesus is real to us, then his death and resurrection is real. His hope and mercy and forgiveness that he gives us is real. His promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ is very real. And we can take that to the bank. That's why he wrote this. See, folks, Jesus isn't an idol. And, and uh, we think of idols. An idol is an object. This is, this is an idol. And this idol's a one-way thing because this idol, I mean, it's good for me because I can sit on it. And it's going to stay here, and it's always going to be here, and I'm able to sit on it. So as an idol, it's a one-way thing. It's always about us. It's always what's in it for me. Folks, Jesus is more than an idol. Jesus is a relationship. He is God. He is a two-way relationship that we respond to him, and he responds to us. We hear him. We see him work in us and around us, and we feel his presence in our lives. And just like John wrote in 1 John, 
be a cross-bearer, to be all in, we have to testify to that, folks. If we went around this room right now and said, has, has anybody experienced Jesus in their life? And not just when you ask him into your heart, but you've experienced Jesus in your life, we would have people raise their hands and probably tell some awesome stories of how Jesus has been involved in their life. If we ask somebody in this room, have you had a chance to, to hear Jesus speak to you? Which sounds somewhat odd, but there would be people who say, yes, I've been that, in that position. I have heard Jesus speak to me. He has spoken through his word. He has spoken through my life. If we ask people in this room to raise their hands, if you have felt Jesus in a life situation, in those great times and in those not so great times, hands would fly up and we could spend the next three hours talking about that. See, Jesus is at work in, life, in situations around us. And if, like Danny said a couple of weeks ago, bearing our cross is worth it, if having eternal life is worth it, if having a relationship with Christ is worth it, if all of that, is, if that sacrifice is really, really, really worth it, then why aren't we telling people about it? And when I say about talking to people about it, it, it it's, not, it's not just I'm going to sit down with Keith and I'm going to share the gospel because I want to convert him. I'm having a conversation with Keith about what God's doing in my life. Or Keith's got a situation I can say, well, you, you know, can I tell you about something that happened to me? And let me tell you how God worked in my life. And by talking about and testifying of who, out, who Christ is and what he means to me and what he's, how he's in my life, I have an opportunity to share the good news, the gospel, the knowledge. I, be, I am allowed to bear my cross to somebody and tell them to testify about who Christ is. Folks, people are literally dying around us to know of a Savior that can heal, to know of a Savior that can restore, to know of a Savior that can give us eternal life, life after this death on this earth. And all we need to do is just have a conversation about who He is. And talk about him, and not in a third person, but talk about him as, as he is present with us today as we walk around this earth. Cross-bearing all in means we need to tell others of the real and alive God we worship. The real and alive God that we experience, and the real and alive God that we receive forgiveness from. That's being all in. That's bearing our cross by testifying and talking about him and not hiding it, but sharing it with all to see and all to know. Well, also in here, John talks about the concept of fellowship. He talks about having fellowship with other believers and fellowship with God, the Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ. And it's interesting. Fellowship is having oneness in community. Fellowship is having something in common. In fact, in, 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 as he's writing about fellowship, the commonness is being in Christ, being with God. And fellowship is having a common participation. Now, the first kind of fellowship John's talking about is by, by making you aware of who Christ is, you can have fellowship with us. And that's a horizontal thing. In fact, think of this room as a group of fellowship of believers. 
that as we bear our crosses, we testify to him, as we follow Christ, we all have fellowship together. And that fellowship comes with some great, great benefits, if you will. We get to walk with each other. We get to share life with each other. We get to learn from each other. And then there's the fellowship that, that John was talking about that is what I call the vertical. That's the one fellowship that we have directly with God. The one-on-one, the, the fact that we know that God is with us all the time and we can go to him, we can talk to him, we can listen to him, we can hear his word, we can read his word. It's an ongoing fellowship that's in the vertical sense. Now, both fellowships are very, very important. In fact, as a Christian, we can have just the vertical fellowship. We can. Uh, we accept Christ into our life. We begin a vertical fellowship with him. But here's the problem. As I talked about what it's like to be in this fellowship of believers, say, in this room, if you have only the vertical fellowship, you don't have anybody to share with. You don't have anybody to walk with. You don't have anybody to bear your burdens with. You don't have anybody to learn with. In fact, think of it this way. Many times people say, why is church membership so important? Well, if you're not a member of a church fellowship, you don't have accountability. You don't have anybody saying, hey, Brad, are you, are you walking with God? Are you, you know, I, saw, I see this. You need to be over here. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? You don't have that. You don't have anybody that's helping you with life situations. You don't have anybody there to help you celebrate the good things or to walk with you during the bad times. If you're a member of a church fellowship and you're in fellowship with a group of believers, you have community, a community to share life with. We come in here every Sunday and have fellowship together. We, have, we study, we enjoy coffee, we enjoy cookies, we, we worship God. We have fellowship together. And in doing this on a horizontal level, it helps us with the vertical. It helps us have that ability. We can walk with each other, teach each other, pray with each other, walk with each other. And then John talks about this fellowship completing their joy. Now, it's an interesting word. If you remember the word joy, Danny preached on that when we talked about Philippians, about what joy is. And the joy that we can have when we are with believers in a fellowship, when we, the joy that we can enjoy when we share God with other people, the joy when we see somebody coming to Christ, and then our own joy that we can have because of the relationship that we have in Christ that no one can take away. That even when life is going way, way south, we can lean on God and we can still have joy in the midst of the storms of life. Cross-bearing all in means that we have, if we have a full knowledge of Jesus, we have fellowship with other believers and a true fellowship with God and Jesus Christ. And it is very real. Know that. Embrace that. Well, let's go on. We're gonna, next one, we're going to read verses 5 through 8. This is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
See, God is light. God is pure. God is holy. God is right. God is perfect. There is no darkness with God. You've got God and you've got darkness. The two don't go together. Darkness flees from God. God sheds light on the darkness and changes the darkness, changes the death, changes the brokenness. And we can't be in both if we're in fellowship with him. If we're oneness with God, we're either one or the other. We cannot do both. And people see Christ in us when his light shines through us in the way we live, we act, the way we deal with life and life situations. What does it look like to be in the light? I'll give you, this is the example, right? If I'm in the light of God, you can see me. You hear me well. If I'm doing something, you see my actions. I am in God's light. Think about what that looks like for you and for me on a daily basis. People see us, they see what we're doing, and hopefully they see it's good and it's all what it's supposed to be, and they see God through us. We're in God's light. Now, if I'm not careful and I begin to step away from God's light, all of a sudden I get into the darkness, and if it was really if it's pitch dark in here except for that light, you couldn't see me. You couldn't see what I was doing. You couldn't see how I was acting, how I was reacting. Only when I'm in God's light can people see. And only when I'm in God's light is I'm with him. Because if God's light is here and I'm way over here, is Brad in? Is he in fellowship with God? No. On a Sunday, I'm over here and I'm great. And by Monday morning, I have found myself over here playing in the darkness. We can't do that. If we're bearing our cross and we're all in, we cannot be over here. We have to constantly work hard to be in God's light. If we're all in, this is where we need to be. God doesn't follow us into the darkness. We put ourselves there. We have to shine His light. Let's move on. So if we think about what this light does, and you can turn the lights back up again, now we can be, everybody can see, there we go. If we're in the darkness and in the light and back and forth and all of this, what does that look like to other people? How do people see us? John wrote that if we're not in the light and we say we are, if we're in the darkness and claim to be in the light, we're lying. And do people see us that way? Do people see us as a liar? Do people see how we're acting and what we're saying and what we're acting and they don't match up? A couple of great quotes. This one comes from Super Summer. I think even Corey may have heard this one, and I, I love this one. This was Terry McElvain, who was our director of student ministries on the state level. He'd always tell us at Super Summer as counselors, your actions speak so loudly I can't hear what you're saying. And what it was is a challenge to those of us who were in charge of youth. If we act out of control and we try to tell them, now don't do what I just did, what are they going to do? going to do what we saw. If as a Christian, I am in the checkout line and I'm acting like a not so nice guy. Ooh, that's Brad. He's, he's from Pleasant View. Not only that, but he's a pastor at Pleasant View. 
what does that look like? Are they going to listen to me on a Sunday morning or are they going to see what I did on Monday? Now, that doesn't mean that I need to be good in case people see me. That's not the point. If I'm, if I'm all in for Christ, my attitude is always going to be over here, not over there. The other one, this one, I love this. This is from J.D. Greer. Religion doesn't take away our heart's pollution. It simply covers it up. Religion doesn't take away our heart's pollution. It simply covers it up. See, if I'm playing religion, I am not in God's light. I'm over here pretending. And if I'm pretending, all I'm doing is putting a facade so that you can't see, so that later on I can play in the darkness and you never know. Being religious is just going through the motions to cover up. But being a Christ follower, to be all in, to bear our cross, means that we're working hard each and every day to follow Christ, to admit our sins to Him, to let His mercy cleanse us from our sins and to restore us in a right relationship with God and Jesus Christ. Every day we're working hard and bearing our cross to get there. Every day we're working at that. See, bearing our cross means we walk in the light of Christ. Our actions show we are not only, we not only know Christ, but we are following his desire for our life. See, not are we just talking, but we're showing. If we know it, we're to show it. If we are in Christ, we need to show that to people so they see that. Why? Because we just said we need to testify about him. We can't testify him if we're not showing that we're in the light of Christ. Let's read the, the, last two, the last two verses that are in here. These, this is what I call the warning. The warning to remain humble. Starting with verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If we confess our sins, he will restore us. He will make us whole again. He will renew his relationship with us if we confess our sins. I think that's an important part. Our confession brings us back in right relationship with God. So here's some questions. What what do I need to do to get back with God? I've messed up. What do I need to do to get back with God? You just need to come back to Him. You need to talk with Him. You need to confide in Him. You need to express to Him. However you need to do it, you need to run to God and say, God, I messed up. And I need your help. And I need to be restored. And I want to have this cross that I'm bearing for you be in the light and not in the darkness. And then once I've confessed, I have got to let Christ work in and through me. Which means that if I confess, I've got to let him change me. If I just confess and don't do change, I'm, I'm back to the liar thing. I've said one thing and you're seeing another. If we try to excuse our sins and even try to count ourselves as sinless since we've asked Christ into our life, we're a liar. We're a fake. And God's not in our lives. We're over here claiming to be over there in that light. 
when we have walked far, far away from Him. See, taking up our cross means realizing that we're a sinner. It's in our DNA, folks. There's not one of us in here that says, I'm not a sinner. I don't do anything wrong. Eh, you just did. It's in our DNA. We need to realize that. I don't want to say embrace it, but recognize that that is in our DNA. And in realizing it, then the difference is, is that we know by admitting our sin, by admitting our darkness to a loving God, He will forgive and bring us back into relationship. Now here's the warning that I think John put in this, this whole first John. Number one, we are not sinless. Not one of us are sinless. But we are forgiven. And that's important. Because as, even as you're talking to someone about what it means to be all in and carrying your cross for him, I'm a sinner. I make mistakes every day. Tomorrow I will probably make a mistake. I will probably make one this afternoon. I, I'm not saying I'm going to try to do that. I just know that that may happen. But I also know that when I do that, I have a God that I can go to for forgiveness. I have a God that can restore me, a God that can heal me and forgive me. And in the midst of this, because I am carrying my cross for Christ, I am not to be judgmental. I am not to lord this over somebody else. That's what the, that's what the Pharisees did. They did all the rules, they did everything right, and they said, hey, look at me, I know exactly what I'm doing, and you don't, so therefore I'm going to lord over you. The other one is, don't be conceited. If we walk around and say, I have Christ in my life, and therefore I'm not going to sin anymore, I am sinless, I can tell you what, folks, it's that point when you just ask Satan to double down and, and, and say, yeah, really, Brad? We're going to see how good you are at this. We're going to really throw everything into the mix and see what happens. Don't be conceited. Bearing, a cross bearing all in means we confess our sins and our sinful nature to a God and he forgives us and restores us back to him. See, when you, when the concept, when you say taking up your cross, it means being all in for God. Think about that. What's the one thing in your life that's holding you back from being all in? Is there, is there something in your life that's, that's hampering you? Are you not in his light all the time? Are you struggling between the darkness and the light? Maybe you're in this room right now and you say, I don't even know what it means to be all in because I've not asked for God to come, Christ to come in my life and restore me. I've not begun that relationship. Wherever you are, as we finish this out, realize that to bear the cross of Christ is to be all in. And if you do that, and you try and work hard at being all in for God, God will do some fabulous things through you, and in you, and around you. Let me close with this one story. I'm, I'm a basketball fan. I'm a college basketball fan. You all know this. I love Wichita State. That's my team. I admit to that. That's my... Um, this last year, Wichita State struggled. Beginning of the year, everybody on Facebook was saying, oh, the Shockers are horrible. These kids that think they're really good aren't worth a thing. I don't know if the coach really knows what he's doing. They look like five guys on a court that couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They couldn't put the ball into the creek right now as big as it is. But here's what happened. 
as they began to realize that if they were all in, and they set their personals aside and focused on the most important thing, and they went all in with their coach, things got better and better and better. They weren't a perfect team. I mean, you know, I watched them. They made mistakes. They're human. But they got better and better because they got all in. They were willing to make it all happen. And I use that analogy to challenge you today. If you recognize what it means to be all in, to go to a God and say, God, I want to be in 100%, guide me, direct me, and help me that way, he will do some crazy things through you, with you, and around you if you just let him and be all in with him. Let's pray. God, as we talk about bearing the cross, your cross, that it's not about us, it's about you. It's about a fellowship with other believers. It's about a fellowship with you. It's about living in your light and not in your darkness. Father, I pray that you will challenge us to find where we need to change to be all in. What we need to do in our lives to let go of the darkness and stay in the light. What decisions we need to do to get away from darkness and stay in your light. Father, I pray as we ponder this today, as we walk out of here this place today, that you help us figure out what it looks like for each and every one of us to have a relationship with you and to be all in. Father, we thank you that you can allow us to do that and that you can work through each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask you to stand. This is a chance for you to respond. Either where you are, or maybe you need to come and pray and say, Lord, take this away from me. Maybe you need to come and talk to Corey and I about what it means to be all in and have a relationship with Christ. It's your chance to respond to him as you feel led. Oh, Lord.